Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who never skateboards, my bike riding friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? do love a good bike ride. I will snowboard anytime with anybody if if you want to go sometime, James B. or any of our listeners. Um, I am rather excited, actually. Um, these these books, these books we're doing today, fun times. I'm excited too, but I want to go back to your snowboarding comment. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I once was working at a McDonald's drive-thru and a customer came through and he said to me, I'm going to give you some advice that will change your life. He said, never ski or snowboard. It's addictive and expensive. <laughs> that is entirely true, which is why I, my snowboarding has declined precipitously since I had children. So, <laughs> um, But, I, you know, if I knew some more people that were snowboarding, I'd be going a lot more often. So anybody who's available, I'm ready. Well, Eddie, I know you've been busy with kids and too busy to skateboard. And we both actually been busy this week. So busy that I did the first summary for you. So why don't you do the intro and I'll help you with the first book. Ooh, a little turnaround for us. From September of 1977, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 172, The Fiend from the Fire by Ween, Andrew, and Yakoya. As Spidey swings over the Wall Street district, he encounters Rocket Racer, a skateboarding villain decked out in yellow and orange. Spidey gives chase, trying to recover a stolen briefcase with bonds and securities. Rocket Racer battles Spider-Man, describing for the reader all his gizmos and powers, such as bombs and a laser missile. Eddie, it's distracting for villains to explain their powers while they're fighting, but I'm sure young James B. in 1977 was okay with it. Otherwise, how could I know what he could do? Uh, yeah, I agree with young James B. This isn't a problem. I liked hearing about rocket racers, gyroscopes, and magnetic clamps. He's got a very jazzy outfit on, too. Um, rocket Racer, to me, is a good update of kind of a Silver Age supervillain. I think he's rather Green Goblin-like. Um, but I was really surprised how little we saw of Rocket Racer, um, considering he's on the cover. Well, that's because... Although he almost gets away, Spider-Man does catch Rocket Racer early in this book. And uh, the police take over and he's done. He's out of the book, out of this podcast. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we get rid of that part of the story and get to what I'm into, which is Liz and Harry having a late night makeout session. And then Liz goes home and is startled to find someone in her room that needs her help. Meanwhile... Harry is at a diner asking Peter to be his best man when suddenly Liz runs by and jumps in a cab, ignoring Harry. Peter tries to explain to Harry there's a likely explanation, although the reader knows it involves the mysterious figure. Eddie, there is only one person we know who this could be. Agree? I gotta say, I really didn't know who this was going to be, uh, though I should have. Uh, it was a nice mystery, and I was happy to see a preferred character like Liz really brought it into the spotlight in this book. Well, I'll when we reveal the mystery character, I'll talk more about why I tend to know this particular plot line a little more than I should. You know, do you remember how we did the complicated ladies of Peter Parker's life, one of your favorite uh, segments to start me off with? But I'd like to go back in time and create a second segment called 
Peter's relationship with Harry, dude, that is so, so fluid. <laughs> yeah, it was only two books ago. Okay, best man, Peter Parker, told J. Jonah, Harry was the Green Goblin. <laughs> Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> yeah, what? <sighs> I mean, he was the Green Goblin, right? So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, best friend. <laughs> right. Holy cow. It's just such a busy time. Um the book itself also continues to be a very, very busy book. So let's cover some more parts of this book here. Eddie, Peter asked Gloria Grant if she ever thought about getting married. Now, he's, of course, asking her because, you know, he's talking about Liz and Harry. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, when he's saying, have you ever thought about getting married? She's jokingly says, like, you know, well, it depends. Are you asking me right now? And he turns all blushy and everything. Um, and then J. Jonah Jameson is excited uh, Peter has these good rocket racer photos and Marla Madison shows up and JJ gets really happy. He's singing and dancing and, and Joe Robbie implies that J Jonah Jameson is in love. There's so much great J Jonah Jameson here. It's a really funny few pages in so many ways. What was your favorite part, Eddie? Oh, I know you're the J. Jonah voice expert. When he, but when he's like, where, God, where did I go wrong? I try to be fair. Try to give my employees what they deserve. And what do I get in return? Terminal aggravation. Not only does he say that, but then Peter replies. I was quite shocked by it. Peter says, should I sit down or should I get my violin? It's such a sassy line to a very ornery man who is also his boss. So... Uh, the only thing that does better than that is the J. Jonah singing page. It's fantastic. Great illustration. I like when um, once he realizes that like Marla Madison's coming and he's singing it, you know, whatever reason he's just excited about, he says to him, he says, um, <laughs> he says, and you, by the way, you do an admirable J. Jonah James. Oh, feel you. free to like tune it up for me. I'm not, I'm not, insult- I'm not worried about competition. It's, we both do a great job. But he says, uh-huh. I say goodbye, Parker, as in farewell. Adios. Arrivederci. Buzz off. You do understand English, don't you? Peter's like, sure, but. He's like, the only but I want to see is yours, Parker, going out that door. <laughs> that was so funny. Like it's I actually great. Like, chuckled. Like Great lines. So many good lines. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it's strong, strong book. I was reading this and I was thinking... Yeah. Eddie's going to love this book. I did. <laughs> well, well, how does it get out of the Beagle, uh, James B.? So Gloria Grant has a phone call for Peter to take, and it turns out that Liz Allen is in jail. Peter arranges for Joe Robertson, Eddie, to deal with the bail for Liz. I'm not sure why. I don't know if you are. Uh, <laughs> so we can have a rare appearance of the Spider-Man. Yes. Remember him from the book? He's going to make an appearance again. Eddie, I'm going to interrupt and let you know that this, so far, with all these characters, this is what I think Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, was intended to be. And I realize I'm reading The Amazing Spider-Man. Right? I don't mean to interrupt, too, but, like, to see Liz Allen in jail, I was like, wow! Like, that is so out of her character. Very, very exciting, too. Um how does she get out, James B., if she does? Well, Spider-Man, of course. Well, she gets out because Joe Robbie is getting going to bail her out. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, her good friend Joe Robbie. <laughs> well, Spider-Man, look, he figures out who the villain is as well, before Eddie, apparently. He goes to the hospital storage location where Liz was arrested for robbery, and he encounters 
the Molten Man. Uh, they battle. Molty's only successful attacks are like throwing bottles and glass containers. And finally, Molten Man pushes a shelf, which crashes onto Spider-Man. And Spider-Man crawls out, and two cops have him at gunpoint. Eddie, this was a great book. I, wow. We got so much story out of this book. And just tons of character development. Like I said, I, I love Liz moving into the spotlight here. And all these things happening that are a, like a little uncommon and kind of hilarious. It's just really fun to read. It could be the only time I've been glad to see that the Molten Man is a supervillain. <laughs> because um, they didn't put him on the cover. And there was our surprise, right? He's blacked out. I agree, but... You had to have Rocket Racer on the cover instead, which you can't have it both ways, right? You complained earlier, why is Rocket Racer on the cover? Are you okay with this now? Uh, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Rocket Racer is really Green Goblin light. He's supposed to remind us of Green Goblin. And we see him get quickly captured in this book, and it is immediately followed by a super distressed Harry. I really want to believe the writers, this was all very clever and thought out indicates that green goblin's coming back like okay we try to replace him with rocket racer but really nobody can replace green goblin so <laughs> All right. i'm gonna i'm gonna let you skip that question that i keep throwing at you which is you can't have it both ways because you don't want molten on the cover and you don't want rocket racer on the cover. i'll just let you i'll let this one slide this time here so not a problem <laughs> before we do the second book which you did a great job on the summary i'm actually going to squeeze in a quick sponsor here because oh. I want to make sure we give our sponsor time because we're going to talk so much about these books that I'd feel really bad if we couldn't fit it in. So right. Eddie, um, today's sponsor is a PSA. Remember what those are, Eddie? A public service announcement, right? Absolutely. So it's something, uh, it's endorsed by Joe Robbie and it's about friends okay. helping friends. Oh, I like Joe Robbie. Okay. okay. Eddie, the PSA is a program called, uh, it's an encouraging slogan that we're using more and more around town, you might have people come up to you. It's called, um, like, you know, if your friend's in trouble, you know, you would help them, right? So in this new yeah. program called Bail Out Your Buddy's Friend, uh, okay. you know, it says, you know, please don't hesitate to help a friend of a friend the same way. So like, if someone you know is in jail, you might bail them out. Well, what if someone's friend is in jail? You could still bail them out. <laughs> or if your friend's friend needs money, you could wire them some money. Let's say your friend's friend needs someone to co-sign a loan. You take a pen and you sign that loan for them. Remember, Eddie, the only thing better than helping a friend is helping a friend's friend. That's right. Please oh consider bailing out your buddy's friend. And uh, there's lots of ways you can do that. If my friend's friend friend is Kevin Bacon, then sure, I'll, ba I'll bail him out of jail. But, <laughs> you know, you know, We'd only a few degrees separated from Kevin Bacon, right? Right. There's a couple more examples here. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Eddie, um, you know, if a friend needed a kidney, would you consider helping them? Well, no. You wouldn't help well, your friend? I mean, if a friend. Oh, okay. My friend needs a kidney. Yeah, your close kidney? friend oh, needs okay. a kidney. Okay. Okay. I mean, yes. Well, please consider if your friend's friend needs a kidney, because <laughs> that's the extra level we want to get to with bail out your buddy's friend. Eddie, if, you're, if your friend said, hey, look, I'm having problems with... Uh, you know, having children, could you kind of be involved in surrogate parenting in some capacity? <laughs> it's really because you really want them to enjoy parenthood. 
What if your friend's no. friend wanted to get my, involved in that process? My gen- genetic lineage has been passed on as many times as it needs to be. <laughs> we do, I do not need to help anyone else uh, <laughs> with anything. No friends of friends. Let's I say get that, enough trouble just with my friends. <laughs> let's say that you were sober and your friend wasn't and you get in an accident. <laughs> and your friend's like, look, if you get behind the wheel, I won't go to jail. <laughs> You know, because the accident. What if it was like your friend's friend? See, there's lots of opportunities for you to to be a hero. And uh, speaking of heroes, let's talk about our favorite hero, Peter Parker. From October of 1977, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 173 in If You Can't Stand the Heat, dot, 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 exclamation point, by Ween, Andrew, and embellished by Jim Mooney. Spider-Man saves me there again. Um, We pick up in the hospital where Spidey is being held at gunpoint. Shockingly, or not so shockingly, the security guards shoot at Spidey. And although many master gunslingers have taken shots at our webbed hero, the humdrum bullet grazes Spidey's arm, injuring him. Despite injury and an orderly with mail-in order kung fu skills, Spidey escapes. Yeah, I mean, Punisher, miss. Hitman, miss. (laughs) Not even a policeman. He's actually a security guard. Incredible number of villains. Well, if we're talking about amazing shots, I'd like to also add Spider-Man webs a pistol in the nozzle, forcing it to explode when the cop pulls the trigger. Let me say that again. Hits it in the nozzle, goes inside the gun, and when the guy pulls the trigger, the gun explodes. Good stuff. Not, Not long ago, we... In episode 125, I said, as an option, webbing through a tiny hole or something to save the day. So here we have it. See? Not unreasonable is well, one of I, my answers. I believe a year ago, that's right, you heard me right, a year ago in episode two, <laughs> he was shooting through little uh, little holes, little air holes. He was yeah. shooting webbing through there to like yeah. turn go switches and such. But please, please keep going. It's yeah, a go, good book. Go back and listen to that one, listeners. Well, across <laughs> town at a pharmaceutical corporation, the molten man forces an overworked lab technician to create a serum that she quickly injects into old multi. And... He's scared, and he's apologizing and no longer a threat to anyone. Unfortunately, the cure only lasts a minute. He thinks he's going to die and no one's going to help him, and he is sent back into a totter-like molten rage. Yeah, just another potential ally that Spider-Man doesn't help, right? (laughs) Poor molten man. We... Return to Liz, who is leaving jail, accompanied by MJ Flash and Harry. The police stop the quartet and ask Liz for help. Harry protests aggressively, but Liz dismisses him and goes with the police to try to reason with her stepbrother, the Molten Man. Peter is patching himself up at home when, amongst his bills, he finds a letter from ESU informing him he will not graduate on time due to failing classes. Yeah, I'm super distracted because he's sitting in this green chair and... There's a couple things about the screen chair. First of all, he gets it seven issues ago when um, they're giving him all the, the junky furniture because he has yes. none. Right. It's also the same green chair that comes up in the infamous uh, the tea whistles going off and yes. he's like, let it, <laughs> let the yeah, you know, let it whistle, let it whistle, MJ with MJ, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, and I want to be clear, it's pretty funny because this chair. Absolutely. I'm not making fun, but this chair is worse than sitting on the floor because it sinks you like deeper in. So your knees are like way, way, way above your butt. It's like super uncomfortable. I would never sit in this chair. It's like a broken chair. So, and I know, so, I mean, this is a serious book. 
we don't want to take too much yeah. time on this because things are going on here. So please continue. It's true. It's heavy here with all the characters united at the Burning Pharmaceutical Corporation. Liz ignores her groom-to-be and bravely steps inside to calm her flaming stepbrother. When Spidey shows up, a cleverly written and illustrated battle ensues where it really looks like Liz will die not once, but twice. Molten Man is screaming atop the building, the burning building, don't let me die alone. Actually, he says, sorry I made you steal the chemicals from the hospital for me. Don't let me die alone. He gives that confession, too. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, well, oh, that, yes, to get Liz off the hook there. Uh, well, just as he's saying that. The building explodes. Liz runs from Harry, convinced she killed Mark Raxton, her stepbrother, a.k.a. the Molten Man, and that she destroys everything she cares for. Distraught. Harry helplessly calls after Liz, ending the book with Liz and Spidey running from Harry, leaving him, as he says, in very small font, alone. Such a sad ending here. We have Harry alone. We have Liz alone. Molten Man, if he's still alive, probably is, right? Because everybody's always alive. Also, you know, outcast alone. And of course, Peter, who's always perpetually forced to be alone because of his secret identity whoo heavy stuff at the end but good writing i great writing eddie uh this was a really good uh podcast and i actually also really enjoyed uh our 125th episode uh, a few back where we had to guess what comes next so we're going to do our uh regular close and at the very end i want to do one of those like special what is eddie going to do for the close okay Okay, sounds good. So first, Eddie, if people want to tell us that they also enjoy these books, how could they find us? Email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter and message us at Let's Read Spidey. And now it's time for the close. I'm Eddie, joined by... James B. And remember, listeners, you could be a best man at Harry Osborne's wedding, even if you casually tell a newspaper publisher that he's a supervillain. Goodbye. Goodbye. The reason this book is amazing is because there's an actual villain and there's supporting <laughs> characters. And that's what made this book a hit from the start, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said... I really liked the writing too. It, it was well done. I, there were several moments where I was like, "What, what is going to happen here?" And I happened to be reading the second one with Violet mostly, and she was like, "Dad, look at, look what's happening on the next page." I'm like, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so, really, really great book. I, I got a feel for the Molten Man. He, not only does he get cured, he like gets cured of being a villain essentially, but. You know, how many scientific brains are in the world of the Amazing Spider-Man? And they just are like, sorry, buddy, you're just going to have to be a, a bad molten man forever. Like, cure this guy. <laughs> yeah, this is, you don't hear a lot about dude. the writing of Len Wein and Ross Andrews' art like together, but this was this was solid. I admit, if I'm, 
If I'm ever getting rid of these Spider-Man books, I'm going to hold on to 172, 173 and be like, these are worth... No, I'm, I'm saying these are worth kind yeah. of keeping in your collection if you were a collector. Now, I, I actually owned 173 when I was a kid, too. I, this, you're in an era where I used to own a couple yes. of these books. You know, you have, you're going to have a point where you're going to tell me, that book was in the cabin, that book was in the cabin. <laughs> um, I think we're going to have one of your Peter Parker, we, the Spectacular Spider-Man books, if we haven't oh, had one yeah, recently, in true. the cabin. So, um, But this was uh, good stuff. I guess the last thing um, I see in your notes here is... Uh, you want to talk about the argument of is J. John Jameson really in love? Yeah, because he, man, this panel, this is one of my favorite illustrations. J. Jonah singing, and he's like, it, it illustrates so well, he's like dancing across the room. Could we say there's like seven J. Jonas moving and singing at the same time? And I was like, so is he in love with Marla, or is he just in love with a person who's making him a spider slayer? It's, it's the spider slayer, right? Or is he like going to get married to Marla? What is it, James B.? No? It's, it can't be the Spider Slayer because he would be so anxious about... No, it's not the Spider Slayer because he's had that before. I think this is a new relationship with, with Marla. Look at the way he's looking at her. Really? Look at the way he's like looking at her. He's not looking like up in the sky anymore. I, I, you know I mean, in fact, I guess he combines two of his favorite things. <laughs> what? Look at his look at his line when he fir- the first word he says to her when he gets interrupted. The first word he says to her is, Oop. Yeah, and yeah. She's like, "Excuse me, Joan. I hope I'm not interrupting." And he's like, "Not at all, Marla, my dear. Parker <laughs> here was just leaving, weren't you, Parker?" And I hear, and here huh. he and I were having our little heartwarming publisher to little person chats. I'm so famous for, and he's bragging about his abilities. He's not saying, "Let's get going and show me what you got." <laughs> all um, right, all right. Uh, they're, def- they're definitely going out now. So. Okay. Well, even more excitement. Marla Madison becoming a main a main side character. <laughs> Can you imagine right now I'm going to have to start playing this little music here for <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> so funny. The least romantic man. This caviar costs too much. Eat some, eat some egg salad or whatever.